podcast by silver screen and roll and sb nation lakers community uh you can find my work over at silverscreenandroll.com for the time being uh <laughs> after january i don't know where you'll be able to find my work but it'll be somewhere i'm sure uh jacob root how are you doing today sir well on a hopefully lighter note um the <laughs> lakers had one job this season, and it was to win a damn game against the Pacers, so I didn't have to listen to trash talk from all of my friends, and here we are, literally the minute the final horn sounded after Rondo inexplicably shot up 40 foot three, um, I started hearing it, so I'm very mad at this team right now, even <laughs> if they are 24 and 4, they uh, picked the worst game to lose, so... Uh, other than that, I'm doing really well. That's good. I'm also doing well. I don't want to. I don't want anybody to be <laughs> under the impression that like I'm over here wallowing in self pity. I'm great. I'm happy to be doing this podcast uh, and happy to be watching a good Lakers team. Like even with that loss in Indiana, there seems still 20 games above 500, which is ridiculous. And the the Lakers and Bucks just seem committed to having the same record going into Thursday's game. Like, that was always the end game. It couldn't have been the Lakers being one game above them in the standings. That was, yeah, that was always going to be the case, is the battle for the best record in the NBA. And now they have that. I think uh, I think what had happened is the Lakers saw that the Bucks lost their last game before this game before the Laker game and they're like, oh man, those guys might be really motivated. We should lose our last game before that game just to make sure we're just as motivated. Well how so how ridiculous is it that the Lakers lost by three points without Anthony Davis? Against I think the Pacers are like a top five defense. They are, correct. Yeah. Um I didn't get to watch all of the game, but not only doing it without Anthony Davis, but like a couple guys had um, pretty poor shooting nights. Like Dwight Howard kind of bailed him out a bit. Um, I I guess Rondo had played all right until the last two or three minutes, and then I don't know why he was in the game. But um, I mean, it seemed like LeBron played better than his stat line showed. I guess all of his plays were kind of flashy ones, but. I mean, he also was a rebound and an assist away from a triple-double, so maybe our standards are a little too high. But, yeah, free throws killed him at the end. Um, I think they ended, I don't know what they ended overall on the night, but it was the, the timely ones that they missed, too. They were 8 of 17 and felt like 0 for whatever down the stretch when they really needed them. Yeah, they were 4 for 10 in the in the fourth quarter, which is... Cool. Not great when the game was decided by three points. Um, yeah, R- Rondo, anytime Rondo's playing hero ball, uh, you're in a bad spot. As good as, as, as much as I've walked back on a lot, or r- walked back isn't the right word. As much credit as I've given Rondo, given Rondo for the type of season he's had this season, it, he's still not the guy you want, like, taking the last shot or dribbling the ball out 
uh, with with the shot clock winding down. I'm trying to think at like where on the list of players would Rondo fall as to who I want to take the last shot because like I, LeBron should have touched the ball there. Danny Green should have like Caruso should have been in the game over him. Right. Um, any number of the guards who are actually decent three point shooters, KCP. Uh, probably even Avery Bradley over him. Like, I'd put Jared Dudley over him because he can hit a three. Like, Rondo's so far down the list. I don't know why he was in the game because the Lakers didn't have a timeout, so it wasn't like that was ever going to be a factor. I don't know. That was I don't I haven't criticized Frank Vogel too much this year, but some of the his usage of Rondo of late is concerning. Starting to raise some. I won't say they're red flags. They're like yellow flags right now, but they're starting to raise some yellow flags about how much he's using Rondo of late. For sure. And Vogel's job isn't easy either. I mean, he has, I want to say seven guards he has to work into the rotation somehow. I mean, Quinn Cook was a DNP again. Troy Daniels only played 12 points or 12 minutes. Uh, And the, the interesting thing to me is you kind of figured Troy Daniels and Quinn Cook would completely fall out of the rotation once uh, Avery Bradley got into the rotation with the way Rondo and Crusoe were playing together. Uh, KCP looked solid in the starting lineup next to Danny Green, uh, which, by the way, Danny Green has not been playing well lately. I no, think he's not at all. shooting like 36% from three on the season. Uh, so he doesn't get a pass. I mean, but history suggests that his shot will level out and he's still extremely valuable on the defensive end. Although he's had a few like possessions in the fourth quarter where he's kind of walked back on defense. Um, so yeah, uh, a little disappointing from him, but the point is uh, this game against Indiana, as much as, as, as good as they've been as a defensive team this season, They've allowed quite a bit of three-point shots and a lot of points in the paint, as evidenced by Dwight Howard going 10 for 10 from the field. Uh, so the Lakers got one part of that down, um, and they used Dwight to kill him inside. It worked out for them. Uh, but they could not hit three-point shots once again. Braun went 0 for 6. Uh, Contavious called Bobo Pope 1 for 3. Danny Green went 2 for 4. Uh, and he was tied with Alex Russo. For the most three-pointers on the team, Alex Crusoe went two for five. Uh, all they needed to do was hit their open three-point shots and and kill them inside. And that was going to be the recipe for success for them. Uh, they didn't do one of those things, plus they didn't make free throws, and, I mean, that was the game for them. Again, three-point loss on the road to the Pacers without Anthony Davis isn't a bad loss by any means, but... Uh, it, it's it's kind of those things w- when the Lakers aren't losing a lot, you have to take away something from the the games they do lose, and I think especially with the game against uh, who did they play last before that was the Hawks. Atlanta. Yeah, uh, that game against the Hawks too. They really needed three point shooters, and Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels just couldn't get any burn, and that's the whole reason they're on the roster. And if they're not getting any burn in those situations when they really needed a shot, it's kind of like it kind of makes me wonder what they're even doing on the roster. Well, I was going to say, going back to that Atlanta game, because in that game, LeBron had four three-pointers and the rest of the Lakers had one. Right. Um, They were one of nine, like one of 21 maybe, quick math in my head. Um, 
they... I don't know what the solution is, I guess, other than trying to go find someone on the market. But as we've discussed many times, that is going to be really hard to do. So, I mean, is this like a a long-term concern, do you think, or just kind of a two- or three-game blip right now? Uh, You know, I I think they have enough theoretical shooters on the roster to persevere. Like, Danny Green and Catavius Caldwell-Pope most notably – I think are going to be fine. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, same thing. Even when he didn't look super great on the ball or making shots off the dribble, uh, his three-point shot which was there, which was the big thing Lakers fans wanted from him going into this season. The thing with, with Kuzma, though, is that you don't want him to just be a spot-up shooter because if you're just going to play that stretch four position, you might as well just play Jared Dudley because Jared Dudley's just a more efficient three-point shooter. Brings good effort on on defense. The reason you play Kuzma is because of his ability to create a, create his own shot and and move the ball around. Uh, so between those three guys, I think it's fine. It's just I go back to the Lakers signing shooters in free agency and the on top of the aforementioned guys, most notably Dan, uh, Danny Green and Jared Dudley, two guys that are I, I think Danny Green's an above. Uh, 40% three-point shooter for his career, and Jared Dudley's just right there. But Troy Daniels and uh, Quinn Cook are 40% three-point shooters for their career. And if those are the two best shooters on your team and you're not playing them when you need three-pointers, it's like the, the Lakers have shooting in theory and they're not they're not playing their guys. That's, that's the biggest concern with me right now. Again... I understand Frank Vogel has a lot of guards he needs to manage, and those guards deserve to be in the rotation ahead of Troy Daniels and Quinn Cook. But if you're not going to play them in those spot minutes, I, I think you have to try to find a way to get value back for them. It's just, you know, as we've talked about so many times, um, really the only guy that you can feasibly flip in a trade is Quinn Cook, and he's only making $3 million this season. Uh, so in, in order to get any real meaningful value out of him, you have to package him with somebody else and combining contracts on this team, especially the guys that make quote unquote more, I mean, outside of Contavious Caldwell, Pope, Danny Green, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James, uh, Avery Bradley makes the most money on the team at 4.76 million. Uh, it's just, it's a tough spot. And it, I mean, the December 15th trade deadline or trade period pass so restrictions are lifted on most of the on most of the players on the roster uh it's just most of them have implicit no trade clauses so yeah it's it's going to be really hard for the lakers to improve their roster via the trade market dwight howard is shooting one percent worse from three than troy daniels and quinn cook not great but also (laughs) (laughs) dwight maybe maybe different sample sizes there uh but I mean, you're right. Troy Daniels and Quinn Cook were brought in for their shooting, and they're both shooting 34.3% this year. Um, as someone who stand for Quinn Cook coming into the year, he's been just wholly unimpressive. Um, it's odd, too, because like shooting was the one thing that he's been really good at. Um, and really... It, I know you could argue that he's not really getting consistent minutes. He wasn't in Golden State, and he still was able to come in and knock down shots. I know it's a tough ask. 
It's kind of the same thing with Troy Daniels, but he's getting, I think, more minutes now than he was the end of last year. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's it's odd because I think the Lakers did the best they could this summer bringing in shooters. Right. Um, just those guys are underperforming, which is frustrating. It's kind of just kind of throw your hands up in the air and and ask what to do because. I mean, Troy Daniels has a reputation as, like, an absolute knockdown shooter, and he's only 24 of 70 this year. Um, you, just, I mean, it comes down to those two guys. If they're going to play, they have to be better. Um, I do think Danny Green needs to be better, but as you said and as his career dic- or kind of dictates or says, there'll be progression to the mean, basically. He'll... He'll catch fire here for a couple weeks, and um, that average will go up. But in the meantime, the Lakers are kind of left without much shooting. And Kuzma is much closer to his rookie year numbers, but he's been hurt right now. I think the last two games, uh, they've really missed Kuzma, especially against the Pacers on Tuesday. Um, I mean, obviously they miss Anthony Davis, but... uh, they really miss Kuzma being able to stretch the floor and whatnot. Maybe at the end of the game, Kuzma's in there instead of Rondo. Um, I, I think Kuzma probably would have been in there because he is a shooter and he has knocked down some big shots. Um, yeah, I, I'm not too concerned about the shooting yet, but it is something worth keeping an eye on right now. Um, They're also, these last two games and this Milwaukee game are the last games of a a longer road trip, and they're getting toward the end of what's been a really tough month Mm -hmm. where I think they've they've played well. They've proven that they're arguably the best team in the league. I think any of those questions about their schedule are long gone. Yeah. so maybe it's just kind of one of those things right now where they'll get back home and get a little more comfortable and things will those shots will stop drop start dropping but I think yeah shooting even in that Atlanta win like we talked about um, should have been a lot more comfortable because they shot really poorly outside of LeBron and then I think that cost them against the Pacers that and the free throw shooting in the fourth I wonder I've I've been looking at names on the trade market for a few days now, giving myself a false sense of optimism that the Lakers are, are going to swing a trade. Um, and one name that I keep going back this to optimism. is DJ Augustine. He hasn't he hasn't been shooting great from three this year. But if they take like Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels, and I guess a second. I don't know. That's that's a trade that's hard to work, but the salaries work with with Cook and Daniels. If you can get a two for one trade, you open up a roster spot on top of you know, if they wave boogie, they have that roster spot. Sets them up nicely for the buyout market. I just wonder what it would take to get him out of there. Because they got Fultz coming up with uh with the extension I think next summer. Um like he he won't be a free agent next summer, but he'll be eligible for an extension next summer. Uh, and then he'll be an unrestricted uh, unrestricted free agent next summer. 
So that's a situation I think would be worth monitoring. I mean, Orlando's still in the hunt for a playoff spot, but more years of Quinn Cook on a cheaper salary is probably like somewhat enticing to them, especially considering their skill set and how much younger Cook is. I don't know. Just a thought. Things I think yeah. about late at night. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I can follow you on that one. Uh, Augustine, he started for them the other night uh, with Fultz out. I think it was a Laker game. Um, he started for him. Mm, I mean, I guess it's cheaper for Quinn Cook per year, but Augustine's contract is up this year and Quinn Cook's isn't. Um, I think... Augustine, I mean, maybe they make that trade. I don't really know why they would. It doesn't really seem to make either team any better. I'm not, Augustine's only shooting 31% from three this year. So, I mean, I guess if they're looking to open a roster spot, maybe. But he's not a, um, I don't know. I, I guess my argument would be, I guess there's probably someone better out there you could get if you're going to put that money together Mm -hmm. um i would rather try my hand at a guy who is having like an unexpectedly good year i don't really have a name in mind i was trying to pull up his yeah as a spot-up shooter well i get as a spot-up shooter this year dj augustine shooting 80 percent um on catch and shoots he's in the 96th percentile yeah he's like he's a good he's a 99th 99th percentile in unguarded catch and shoots this year. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I've come around to it. But if he's this good for the Magic, then I think it might take more than Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels in a second. Yeah, like I said, like I think I think they would have to fall out of contention before uh, whenever February, whatever, when the deadline is, for them to to make that deal. And if they do. I mean, I guess in a vacuum that deal is probably enough to get him. I do like the idea of a two-for-one to open up a roster spot as well. And clear up that log jam in the backcourt, too. Yeah. I think if there is going to be a trade, which I think is a huge if, right. I think it's probably Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels partnered together because that gets you kind of somewhere with the money. It's still not a ton, but... Uh, and they're also, I think we talked about this last time, but they're also basically the two only guys with Boogie that you can trade. And, like, I said last time that I didn't think they should keep Boogie around, but then, like, he keeps coming up when they talk about him. Like, he, LeBron brought it up during the, the Miami game where Boogie was one of the guys who called him out at halftime and told him basically he was thinking too much. Um, and to get to get his act together, basically him and AD. So he's obviously really respected in that locker room. I don't know how well it would go down for them to cut or trade him. Yeah. I mean, I guess on one hand, this is a roster of veterans who understand it's a business, but also, like I said, he seems to have a lot of, uh, cachet in that locker room even if he hasn't played and almost certainly isn't going to play this year yeah and like keeping the Marcus Cousins around is ultimately to keep Anthony Davis happy 
And I mean, which is fine. Yeah, but that's the primary primary objective for this season is to get Anthony Davis to sign a long term contract next season, uh, even if it means probably even next season spending a roster spot on Demarcus Cousins. Um, so we'll if see he's what... healthy, I don't think I would be against it. But also, the problem next year is well, I guess Dwight will be a free agent, but. I'm just not thrilled at the idea of having to keep both Boogie and Rajon Rondo. Yeah, Boogie, like, Rondo. Just to appease AD, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, JaVale has a player contract, or a player option, I think. Um, yeah, Rondo does too, which I assume both will. I mean, I think Rondo's is only for the minimum, so... I don't know. If they tell him, hey, you're not going to play this year, you need to go elsewhere, maybe he turns it down, but I really don't see them doing that. Yeah, it's... um. It is highly unlikely. So, yeah, I, I again, it's more of a pipe dream than anything. Um, the 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 place I really expect to see roster movement is the buyout market. Um, and if the Lakers do make a trade, it'll probably be somebody for like a late second in the future, like to open up a roster spot for the buyout mm-hmm. market, so they don't have to wave boogie. And that's the only trade I really see them making, uh, and which is fine. I mean, you look at the, this roster; it's a roster that's probably going to be one of the last four teams standing, if not two. Uh, and when we get back from our little break, we will talk about the game against a uh, game in Milwaukee on Thursday, uh, and take a look at the other teams around the league two months into the season uh, and how the Lakers stack up with them. So, stay tuned for that. Jacob, can you believe it? We are two months into the season. The Lakers are still really good. I don't know what I was expecting, but I, the, the train has not slowed down is what I'm saying. And it's it's shown no signs of slowing down. But if it is going to slow down, the team that's going to do it is the Bucks on Thursday. The Bucks are tied with the Lakers for the best record in the NBA, and rightfully so. Giannis Antetokounmpo is playing out of his mind. Like his he, he his MVP season last year looks frail in comparison to the, to the season he's putting together this year. And I think a lot of that has to do with the, the responsibility he's picked up on offense in the absence of Malcolm Brogdon who absolutely killed the Lakers in the fourth quarter despite not having a great game. Um but yeah, he's Good. He looks more comfortable taking that three-point shot. Uh, Which and is if, terrifying. Yeah. And if Anthony Davis isn't playing, uh, that's the guy LeBron James is going to be guarded up against. Then, as much has been made about how good LeBron James has looked defensively, I don't know how I feel about him going up against Giannis. Just looking at Giannis's numbers, he's averaging 31.7 points per game, 12.8 rebounds, 5.3 assists, and shooting 32% from three, 1.3 steals, 1.2 blocks, and doing it all in 31 minutes. It's pretty good. He's, yeah, he's basically <laughs> sitting out fourth quarters because they're up by 40. Um, he's incredible. Like, I thought last year... I mean, last year was obviously really good. He won the MVP, uh, and he's somehow gotten better. I think largely because he's knocking down threes now. At like, you, I mean, really, he only needs to shoot what he's shooting now. Thirty-two percent from three will keep 
I think defense is honest enough that um, they'll have to respect the three-pointer. Like, he's unbelievable. The fact that he's still adding to his game. Disgusting. Yeah, he's unreal. Like, uh, and they haven't taken a step back, like you said. Like, I I thought them losing Brogdon would make them um, worse this year. And, like, it seems like they're playing better. Like, I watched... Uh, I watched them play the Pelicans the other night, and they create so... I mean, the Pelicans also are terrible defensively, but they create so <laughs> many open looks. And, like, George Hill is, like, playing out of his mind as well. And, like, they have so many guys that um, are playing really well. And I don't... It's just... They're a terrifying team. I think they're the... They're definitely the favorites in the East. I think they might be the team that scares me the most because Giannis is just absolutely unreal and they have a system that creates so many open looks and so many guys capable of stepping in and knock down, knocking down those shots that they're a terrifying team right now. Yeah, and they they're they're definitely the team that scares me the most offensively. Because of Giannis, uh, defensively they have their shit together too, um, but offensively, I, I I don't know. I think Giannis is unguardable. He's so good, like he can throw down a dunk standing from the free throw line, which might be a bit of a hyperbole, but not by much. Like he's that long and that athletic, uh, and and yeah, as much. As I think Anthony Davis is the defensive player of the year candidate, Giannis is just a a completely different breed. Like, I think Giannis is on a different tier than Kawhi and Paul George are easily. Oh, yeah, right now. Um, I'll say first to that point, to some extent, he's he's still kind of... I don't want to say he needs to prove it in the playoffs because he still played really well, but... At least with Kawhi, come playoff time, I kind of put him in whatever the top tier is yeah. with, like, LeBron and whatnot because he's just carried teams before. I will say everything we said about Giannis is true. He's an absolute freak of nature. And I think, like, the only person that could physically match up with him in the league is AD. Um, they're similar as close to anybody can be similar to Giannis's like physical makeup. AD is about as close as you're going to get. They're both incredibly athletic, especially AD playing defensively the way he is right now. I'm going to assume if AD plays uh, Thursday, he's going to be the one guarding Giannis pretty much the whole night. Um, <clears throat> I think the Lakers, assuming AD's healthy, actually kind of match up decently. Yeah. With uh, with the Bucks, because AD's versatile enough that he can guard Giannis, and then they a lot of times are playing a second big man, whether it's Robin or Brook Lopez, um, and the Lakers already play with two bigs, um, so in that regard, the Lakers will match up fine. Yeah, that's a I th- that's a really good point about the two big men. I I think a lot of teams have to adjust to Milwaukee's size up front, and that's just the way the Lakers have played all season. I do think that 
Basically, who's going to guard LeBron on their team uh-huh. is a question. Like, if Giannis takes AD, then who's guarding LeBron? Or if Giannis takes LeBron, then who's guarding AD? Um, I think they will have an advantage at somewhere there. Um, I honestly don't know. I get Wes Matthews maybe guards him. I don't know who they put on him to start. Um, but that's just kind of been the Lakers' MO all season, is that they play so much size up front. Because AD is so versatile that that they're able to create a lot of those mismatches. How many times this year have we seen LeBron matched up against some point guard um, Mm. that he just takes into the post? So that remains the one big area I think the Lakers have an advantage. And I, I do think that AD matches up decently with Giannis. I'm really interested to see how those two uh AD and Giannis, how they match up. I really, really hope AD is is healthy. Um, like actually healthy. Yeah, I will say, though, as much as it would bum me out, if there's even an inkling that he's still hurt, mm-hmm. I would still just sit him. Absolutely. Like at, in the grand scheme of things, the Lakers have built up, I think they're up three and a half games in the West. Uh, yeah, three and a half games after tonight. Um They've built up enough of a cushion to afford these types of nights where if AD isn't healthy, it's the last game of the road trip. Um, sit them. This game in the grand scheme of things, it's not even a conference game. It doesn't It doesn't matter. They're off until the 22nd after that, so there's a bit of a long break. Like, if he... Doesn't play on Thursday. He'll have a week. He'll have had a week off since his last played. So it would bum me out because, like I said, I'm really excited to see him up against Giannis. But I also am much more excited to see this team in the playoffs healthy. So keep AD healthy at all costs. I'm honestly a little surprised LeBron hasn't rested at all. I know Doc Rivers went all Doc Rivers and had the comments about load management and whatnot. And LeBron has said that he doesn't want to sit out. But still, I'm a little surprised they haven't held him out at all. I don't want to say I'm concerned because he seems fine, but just take a night off, LeBron. Like, you're <laughs> you're fine. Let a- AD's done this before. One of these nights when AD's healthy, just sit on the bench, take your wine. Nobody will say anything. You've earned a... A wide night at Staples Center and just watch the game from the sidelines. Yeah, especially with, uh, I saw that Sasha Vujicic is uh, hosting a wine thing at the UCLA Health Training Center tonight. (laughs) Just ask the machine for a a glass of wine. Sit courtside. Um, I think that game against the Hawks was a perfect opportunity for him to have an off night. Because AD played. Um but, I mean, I guess not. And they, they really needed him against the Hawks, which I was not expecting. Um, I will say this is probably one of the worst stretches of the season for Anthony Davis to be hurt because obviously oh, yeah. they played the Pacers on Tuesday. They got the Bucks on Thursday. They do have the next two days off, and hopefully Anthony Davis is healthy by then. But if he's not, Lakers are playing the Nuggets at home on Sunday. Uh, and then, of course, the Christmas Day game against the Clippers uh, the that Wednesday. So that 
it's not a great stretch of games for the Lakers to be missing their second star. Those are games where you lose that cushion in the Western Conference, especially in Western Conference games. Um, so, yeah, that, that is a little concerning. But like you said, it is more important to have Anthony Davis healthy for the postseason than in regular season games. Um, and honestly, I may be jinxing the Lakers, but that... I'm knocking on wood before you say anything. <laughs> That game against the Nuggets, I think they're fine even without AD. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, that. Uh, I kind of enjoy seeing him own Jokic. <laughs> like, I don't even have any hard feelings towards Jokic, but it's like, I enjoy seeing him go up against these other big guys that are supposed to be like the best in the game, and AD just owning them. Right. So it's interesting you bring up that point because that I think that's um, the part of that Bucks game and and that ma- rematch with with the Nuggets is the center position because I've always said the area the Lakers are going to struggle with with the the type of style they play is going to be teams with centers that can shoot three-pointers and Jokic hasn't been like especially efficient from three this season Uh, but him and Lopez both shoot it and Mike Budenholzer knows how to get the best out of Brooke Lopez so seeing that Seeing the Lakers and the way they're going to chase around Brook Lopez, Ersan Eliasova, the likes of those dudes, I am so interested in seeing that because if they underwhelm against the Bucks and the Nuggets, I think you start to look at, okay, well, how do we fill this hole? Because this is going to be a problem come postseason. These are two teams we're definitely going to see in the playoffs. Um, and, I mean, ideally the Bucks they'll see in the playoffs. But... It's uh, I think it's definitely a weakness that could be exposed. I think Dwight Howard has looked pretty good defending in space. Uh, JaVale less so. But it's uh, I, it's something I, I definitely think I will be watching closely. I think the solution... I don't disagree that I think those big men shooting threes could be an issue... Um, I but I think they have basically a built-in solution, which is playing Anthony Davis in center. Exactly. Um, it would be interesting against the Bucks how they would handle that because mm-hmm. you assume that AD would be on Giannis like come playoff time. Against the Nuggets, I think you just play AD at center on Jokic and LeBron on Millsap probably, and that is fine. Um, I don't really know that there's anyone else that it would come up against. Um, Miami, but, I mean, they've seemed to handle that pretty well. Yeah, they... Yeah, with Olenek. um, Olenek doesn't particularly frighten me. Um, Not Myers Leonard either? Well, I guess Vucevic. Yeah, (laughs) I guess Vucevic didn't play. He's the one that always kills the Lakers. Yeah. Um, it, It is interesting to see... I think they've handled it well so far. I mean, they they beat the Nuggets already when Anthony Davis had the flu. Um, I it is. I'm more interested in seeing how they do it against the Bucks because that's just kind of like the extreme version of it. Because Brook Lopez just kind of stands at the three point line and hoists thirty footers. Mm-hmm. So if they can, if they can handle it, then then yeah, I won't be as worried. I'm not. I wouldn't be as worried if they struggled against the Nuggets because I they've done it. Or they've beaten them already and in Denver. 
Um, so I know that there is a, a formula for success. I really don't know. This is like the toughest five. I was looking while you were talking. This is easily the toughest five-game stretch they have all season. At Milwaukee versus Denver versus the Clippers. At Portland versus Dallas. Um, as you said, this is like, after this Milwaukee game, this is kind of, I don't want to say make or break, but like the Lakers could head into 2019 like four or five games up in the Western Conference because they're playing every team that is directly below them. Right. Um, the Clippers are second, the Nuggets are third, the Mavericks are fourth. So theoretically, if they win every one of those games, like you're heading into 2020 with a very, relatively speaking, a very large cushion and a much easier schedule, and things start looking a lot better, I think. So I do think that we will learn a lot about this team in the, in this next five-game stretch. Mm-hmm. But having said that, we've already learned a lot about this team, and I'm, very, I'm confident in them no matter what happens in these next five games. But if they come out of this five-game stretch... Like four and one or five and zero, oh, which would be amazing. Obviously, um, this team is golden, and I think at that point, it would be really hard me seeing them not be the one seed, which I would have never predicted at the beginning of the season. I don't. I wouldn't have predicted they would be multiple games up, basically heading into Christmas. As the one seed in the Western Conference. This season has blown all my expectations Absolutely. out of the water, and we're not even halfway through it yet. Yeah, I had them at the fifth the fifth seed in the Western Conference going into the season, which is probably a little low. I just severely overrated the value of continuity, um, and I, I think a little bit just kind of forgot what it's like to have a team full of veterans that have been there before and just know their roles. So, I mean, that was on me. Not complaining about where they are right now. I don't think it's necessarily overvaluing continuity. Like that's really important. We saw we see in Milwaukee mm-hmm. the continuity. I just think Denver's just kind of sucked this year. <laughs> and Utah. Like yeah, Utah, yeah. They've Utah's really struggled with getting Conley to fit in and then um him being in and out of the lineup. I am stunned that it appears they actually really miss Ricky Rubio. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I still think the overarching point about continuity stands, but I just think those two teams have underperformed. Um, cause I mean, even like Toronto, they didn't really bring in anybody new. They obviously lost Kawhi, but they're still up there. Um, a lot of these teams returned a lot. Like Brooklyn hasn't had Kyrie for, I think 16 games now. And they're concerning. still a seven seed, yeah. And I'm. It's odd because like nobody's really talking about the fact that he hasn't been around for for a while. Mm-hmm. Like him and Duran are just on the bench, horsing around, and I don't know. Maybe he wants to make Durant feel welcomed on the bench. I don't know, but yeah. I mean, I still think continuity. There's value to it. I just think the Nuggets and the Jazz are kind of the outliers. Like. Utah's the sixth seed and is almost closer to the Thunder and the seventh seed than the Rockets right now. Like, the Jazz have really stunk. Um, I don't, I mean, outside of the Clippers and Denver, 
I'm not, I mean, I might regret this, but I'm honestly not that worried about any of the other teams in the West. Luka is, by himself, is kind of terrifying in Dallas, but I don't really trust anybody else on that Dallas team come playoff time. And I think you could basically scheme against Luka and uh, he might struggle. So I I never would have... Yeah, I, I had at the late... I don't know that I had him fifth. I think I had him third or fourth. But I never would have thought we'd be in this, in this point where I'm looking at the Western Conference and thinking basically three-fourths of them don't worry me. Which is a wild sentence because maybe I'm maybe I'm underrating some of these teams, but the Lakers have looked so good against all of these teams that, um, and it's not. And a lot of times, like we said, it's not even with Anthony Davis at the five, which is probably their best lineup, and it's with LeBron and Anthony Davis not running screen and rolls all the time, which is probably their best play. So I'm just really thankful that the Lakers are good again. I really miss rooting for a good Lakers team. <laughs> Uh, the Clippers, Mavericks, Nuggets, is that how you have them ranked in terms of teams you you least like to see in a playoff series? Right now, yeah. I still think if Denver gets its act together, they would... Like, the best Denver... The best version of Denver worries me more than the best version of Dallas, but Denver's far from their best version, so... I would probably put them below Dallas just because Luka's so damn good this year. Yeah. Like, if we're talking about... We talked about Giannis as, like, an MVP favorite. Like, Luka's right there, too. Like, he's been incredible this year. Mm -hmm. I... Yeah, those games... Boy, am I excited for for this stretch of Lakers basketball. This this tough December schedule people have been talking so much about starts on Thursday. And I look forward to see how they respond. Jacob, thank you so much uh, for taking your time out of your day to do this podcast with me. I cherish every episode. And if you also <laughs> cherish every episode of this podcast, you can head it over to the podcast app. Uh, leave us a nice little review. Truthfully, I'll be I'll be honest with you. I haven't I haven't headed I haven't headed on over to the podcast app at all because I get well I. I've been saying for a while, head on over to iTunes, and then I realized the other day that iTunes hasn't existed <laughs> for many months. I am a Team Spotify. Uh, if you haven't checked out your Spotify rap, do that now. They put a lot of work into it. Um, and so, yeah, we'll go wherever you listen to podcasts, I guess. And I, But I think pod, uh, podcasts is the only place you can leave reviews, uh, specifically five-star reviews. And um, so, yeah. That's my uh, that's my jibber jabber. Jacob, do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners? There was no Anthony on the feed this week, so there's never been a better reason to give <laughs> us a five star review. We kicked him off for a week, and you got more of us. So leave a five star review for that alone. I I couldn't have said it better myself, Jacob. Thank you, uh, everyone. Have a have a good week. <laughs>